0: Welcome to the International Collective of Female Cinematographers podcast, where every week we'll be talking to a different cinematographer and listening to their stories as they navigate the filmmaking world, sharing secrets and experiences to empower our community. The ICFC is a collective of professional female cinematographers from around the world who provide each other with community support and industry
1: advocacy. We are your hosts, Fabienne, Amelia, and Akina. Today, we are so excited to welcome Sarah Weldon. We will be discussing the ups and downs of moving from a smaller market to a larger city, establishing boundaries to protect our career and personal life, the socioeconomic divide of entering and thriving in the industry, the perfection and imperfections of the images we create, and the importance of long walks on the beach.
2: This is part two of our interview with Sarah Weldon. Post.
1: How have you been, hand, you know, like, how do you mm. get involved in posts? How do you make sure that you are going to be brought through to color? Like, I'm wondering how, you know, because just more and more we're getting pushed out of that. And even with people, even with friends with good intentions saying, of course, I'm going to involve you. And then all of a sudden, you know, so I'm just curious about your experience with that and how you
3: navigate mm. that world. Uh, let's put that on the list of things I wish I knew <laughs> when I started my cinematography journey. Host is uh, specifically the color process, because that's, you know, really the thing that as a cinematographer, you know, I mean, I work, I have some directors who like, like love to send me cuts and get my thoughts and some who don't. And I'm fine with either of, I respect those both equally. And I, you know, I don't have any, like, it's a different thing. But when it comes to color, there have been a number of white, it's sort of been looked over a lot. In so many capacities, both in commercial world, you know, not the the biggest budget stuff, but, you know, like early on, especially like, you know, stuff that I would send to a smaller team and then they would just kind of like do very little or nothing with it. But it's even happened to me in some narrative projects that, you know, like I shot a feature on the A7S and I delivered in log and uh, we didn't... I, I delivered a, a LUT that wasn't used and, you know, went through post and, you know, I was also shooting it like one and a half to two stops overexposed because <sighs> no. that's how that camera doesn't totally look like crap. And it... Went through post in the log format for Mm -hmm. almost a year and it was colored, but it was such a careful process that I wasn't involved with at all Mm that the the final image just was so desaturated (laughs) and lacking in any contrast at all. That log (laughs) look. Uh,
2: The log (laughs) look. Yeah, I
1: mean,
3: it's, it's tough. It's tough. Um, you know, I had another project that sort of gifted hands a little bit and was never colored. And so, say what you will about the red cameras, mm. red rec 709 is pretty crunchy. Mm leaves a lot to be desired um <laughs> it is potentially a great way to monitor your image because if you're getting it in an okay space there then you know you have plenty to do but it is by no means a good way to uh call it call it a day so yeah i mean i've had projects that were colored at all project you know it just so i think through those experiences you know i think it's a mix of like stating my intentions up front of like you know it's really important for me to be involved in this you know it's it's tricky because, you know, I should be paid for that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and I know on like indie things, it can be a little tough. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, you have to find that balance of like, I want to be involved in this either way. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is really important to me. And, you know, I'm going to know some things about this image better than anybody as like, you know, the mm-hmm. one who is most closely developing it in like those uh, sort of all those microscopic ways that we sort of develop the image we're looking for so it's a you know setting that intention up front and just trying to like stay on it and stay in touch and make sure that hey how's it going (laughs) uh what's up with color when's that happening Mm -hmm. you know like how are we what's going on so yeah it's a work in progress i think like It's a shame that that's not just automatically, you know, budgeted in. Like, okay, you know, the DP prep rate, and then the shoot rate, and then you know, this for color at Mm -hmm. the end because it's like it's such a crucial part of the whole process and Mm -hmm. it's like
1: to me it's like doing all the prep and then not doing the shooting you know it's like that same idea where it's like then it gets and that's fine sometimes that happens right but it's just Mm -hmm. it is such a crucial part of the process it's the last part of the process
3: yeah yeah and i want to shoot in a way like i i told you like i started a production company and i was like i like knew the colorist so Mm Yeah, I would be able to have those conversations pretty freely. I could walk over, like, oh, you're coloring that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk about it. So I kind of had this like ongoing dialogue there. And, you know, I think that might be part of why I was like, great. Yeah. And then it's going to be color and I'll be a part of that. And then, mm-hmm. but, you know, I hear. There's just so many so many people have so many different approaches of like protecting that image and like, all right, I'm just like, you know, I think, you know, another big lesson I've learned is like, make sure whatever it is that I'm delivering is like really, really close to Mm -hmm. what I want. But, you know, like on the shoots that don't have a proper DIT on set, you know, that the colorist isn't uh, signed on beforehand to like help create the LUT. Yeah. You're not necessarily, there's certain things like limitations, and you're just not going to necessarily quite get there with every bit. And sometimes there's advantages to shooting things in a way to give you that flexibility okay. later because you know the image can be stronger if. For example, I want to, you know, like maybe I know like this is a project that's going to have, you know, like we want it to have a lot of film grain, but we're shooting it digitally. I still might want to shoot it at, you know, 400 EI so I can like really lower that noise Mm floor so that we can, you know, like fine tune the image and like find those contrast levels and like have deep, like a deep shadow range and then put that noise in later. Mm -hmm. But like if I'm worried that that's, you know, part of the part of the look that we've discussed that isn't going to happen because we've kind of fallen in love with the wrong image. Mm. I might be inclined to shoot at it, 2000. Yeah. And like have some of that in there from the start. And then it's like, great. This is it. This is the image. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard to navigate. And I don't have all the best answers and I'm constantly learning and trying to figure out like how to approach that. I think I, you know, do try really hard to like deliver something that feels in the world of like very close to what I want. But like I said, sometimes the better route is to shoot it a bit differently than you want. And manipulate it later to, you know, for whatever reason. Yeah, it's a hard one. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I'm still trying to figure out the like exact wording to put in a contract where it says I'm going to be involved regardless of pay or not without saying that Mm -hmm. in a way that then makes them feel like they don't have to pay me. You know, so it's like in writing in a contract. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard yeah. because even even that sometimes gets ignored, you know? But at least then you'll have some legal action. I mean, action. I just think
0: it's final say <laughs> in the image, you know? That's yeah. just what it should be. Yeah. Been, mm. You know? Like, I, I shot a, a pilot a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of, oh, God, last year. And um, when we went through the whole process, everything seemed really, really great. And then uh, one of the producers stepped in for the color process and just ousted me out of it. Like, made every single mm. decision. And, like, I wasn't, like involved in that conversation at all and it, it ended up being close enough to the world that we were striving for and at the end of the day like it's not that like I feel like you can't die on every mountain you know like mm-hmm. you can't struggle up every hill you're like there's some projects that you have to say I let this go you know mm-hmm. like and you're not gonna like fight it to the death but you know it just it is really important and I think we all need to find ways to say not just between us. Right. But I think we need to change the opinions of everybody. It's like, everybody needs to know this going in that this should be an expected standard. And I feel like there are a lot of things like that, that the more that the more people are willing to do certain things. Like I remember at the height of COVID um, I remember there was like Facebook groups looking for a DP and they were like, Oh, like we $200 a day, but you need to be uh, like an Alexa owner operator. Right. And I'm Alexa, and I'm like, that's crazy but then you look and like everybody's messaging messaging and so I think a lot of it is like the impetus for us to like not do these things right like Mm -hmm. there's a very big slippery slope where it's like oh I'll do I can do pickups I guess or I'll do this or I'll Mm -hmm. help you do this and then it's just like at one point you're like wait I'm just working for free yeah yeah right I'm being taken advantage of like these are all things that you know, like what you're saying about like, oh, color regardless of. Yeah, you can't put that there because they, somebody will take advantage of you. Somebody will say, oh, they're willing to mm-hmm. do it for free. For free. Okay. Yeah,
2: great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I wouldn't stop happening to me is because I know how to color and I'm a semi decent colorist. No, I won't do it. No, I end up. I end up. color. I mean, like I, I've i gotten to a point where I don't do it for free, which yeah, is a step up because I used to be <laughs> to a point where like. They're like, oh, we don't have money for color. And I'm like, but, 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 we but, need, <laughs> but we need, <laughs> but <color."> must happen. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm like, well, if you don't have money to like, you know, a huge budget for color, like I can do it for a reduced like budget. Yeah. I can color my, but like, I'm also on a point where like, I'm good. Yeah. But I think like going to a, colorist by vocation by profession like would really like make the work sing a little bit more sometimes and so that's been really frustrating for me on that end too Well, I you think know? That,
0: that comes in tandem with the flip side of how accessible cinematography has become mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know
0: mm-hmm. like i feel like it's i mean and i'm not saying that we didn't benefit from this right and our generation or you know however old mm-hmm. we are but the fact that it's become so accessible everybody feels like they can do it right yeah like yeah. these content creators are like oh i'll shoot this on my iphone and and, and throw it in imovie and yeah. use garage band and you know i can tinker with resolve and look look i can pull the contrast up and up and down you know i can play with these little dials and circles you know yeah. and nothing against that but there's just something that yeah. needs to be respected about like an actual vocation right and an actual skill set mm-hmm
2: need to hire an underwater cinematographer in the Caribbean or a drone certified cinematographer in South America? How about a Mandarin speaking cinematographer that can work in Europe? We gotcha. Our comprehensive database of over 300 members is searchable by location, language, specialties, affiliations, and genre slash categories. Visit our site now and find your next superstar collaborator at icfcfilm.com.
3: The flip side of sort of the democratization of the film industry, like this idea of like gear is now affordable so people can mm-hmm. buy it. But like, what affordable means is still thousands yes. of dollars. Yes. And that
1: still, yes.
3: that still, still is... Still need privilege.
1: Still need money. You have money. to be
3: a serious. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like that still like uh, lifts people who come from a certain socio-economical yeah. background. Right. Totally. And it is not like true democratization mm-hmm. of right. like of anything it's just lifting people who like start out with more access more money right. which yes. is like always been a problem in the film industry yeah. and like
0: well that comes back to our like pragmatism versus chasing the dream right who can actually chase the dream mm-hmm. people who have the, an option to yeah
3: 100 percent. yeah 100 yeah. percent. i remember when i was like starting out and i was looking for internships and they were all free yep
1: one mm-hmm. of, of them course. were
3: paid. i was working and like i i mean i i have a host of different privileges like I you know came from a middle class household like but even for me like at the time I was working I was living in Portland I was working a full-time job that you know just barely making my rent from that and I was like okay I have two days off a week that's what I can give to this and Mm -hmm. I remember touring one internship and they were like so this internship is four days a week but you have to be available twenty four seven, and it's unpaid because if a shoot comes up you want to be on that shoot so you can take advantage of it and th- that's like how they sold me the interview we went through we did this long tour of the mm. facility and this and that and at the end of it they were kind of like you know getting kind of friendly and they were you know started complaining about how like a lot of their interns were super lazy and this and that and I'm like well you need to take a long look at like the types of people who can mm-hmm. take off this internship and not to say they're like necessarily bad people but like yeah. the access is very limited for like who you're allowing into the film industry mm-hmm. yeah. through um, your this is like an opportunity for a very select few and the internship I found was free which was a problem but it was two days a week so mm-hmm. I could make it work with my work yeah. yeah, you know and I still had to like miss lots of shoots and I had lots of my own privilege because like I was working kind of as a manager at that point at mm-hmm. you know the place I was working so I was able to kind of like and you know my boss was like willing to support me enough and yeah. mm-hmm. like following this dream and letting me take time off and, you know, Mm. like knowing full well that like it probably meant that I was going to end up quitting. So like, you know, there's so much that goes into that, but Mm. like, it's just another thing that I think this industry does that really just lifts the select few. And it Mm. happens in so many different capacities (laughs) that aren't talked about. You know, yeah. um, and we talk about like the gender biases and the racial biases. And, you know, I don't think we talk enough about like the socioeconomical biases, which are yeah. like certainly into the, you know, yeah. it's all connected.
1: Yep.
2: Very intersectional.
3: Yeah, it's very uh, frustrating. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm not happy now. <laughs> well, you kind of asked the, the question I was going to ask you but about equity, because you, you do mention the uh, equity as being important to you and on your website. I mean, I guess why? I know this is a bit of a throwaway question, like given what you just said. but. Uh, <laughs> Why is it important to you? Why is it important that it's part of the ethos of how you approach filmmaking?
3: I mean, I think it should be, it's just like part of the ethos of everything. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think like, why would we limit like this form of storytelling to like such a select group of people? You know, the historical sort of makeup of Hollywood is so small and not representative of the world at large. And I think the first part of that is like, why wouldn't we? Like, why wouldn't we like give access to everybody? There's no, there's no argument to be said for like, you know, that any certain type of person, like from any sort of like, however they identify, that they shouldn't have access to this uh, work. I think the mm-hmm. second piece is like we can change a lot. Like, I know, like, I, there's a lot to be said <laughs> about like. The power in what we'd like in filmmaking and storytelling and what we do, even yeah. in like the commercial space, because like it is it does like it's part of like driving culture mm-hmm. in, you know, not only our society, but even like globally. Yeah. To, you know, and it's like there's a lot of gray area and like what that looks like. But at the end of the day, like the stories we're telling they do matter. Like they are out there. They are like sharing a certain point of view. They are like allowing us to get to know people that we maybe don't have access to because maybe we're from a small community that's like almost entirely white or, you know, whatever the whatever the situation is. I know for me, like, you know, I'm trans. I grew up on an island. Like that wasn't a thing. There was like no queer people that were out, you know, like and or very few. And that wasn't an experience I understood. And I think like, Today, like you know, that's a little more out there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think like we're, you know, we see it uh, in many ways, like through social media, but also like storytelling is such a powerful way to not only like allow people to see themselves, but also to allow, like, allow people to just see new experience or, you know, uh, meet people who they can relate to and then develop some sort of like relationship with Mm -hmm. uh, and, and care about. And so that like the sorts of things we're seeing in the world today, I'll just like stick to like my experience as a trans person like the the stuff that's happening uh in this country right now and you know certainly you know it's not limited to uh the u.s by any means around like trans issues like if there was a lot more like media out there told from that perspective that would like allow people to relate to these characters and grow to see them as like humans you know There's a pretty good argument to be made that like that stuff would be happening, at least not on the scale it's happening now. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's so much power in that. And it's like those stories don't work if they're not being told, at least partially from the perspective of the communities they're about, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like it doesn't mean like every trans story needs to be told by entirely trans people and that's it. And they're like the only people who can like be a part of that and they can't be a part of anything else because that's not that's not how it works. Like the world is, you know, every story should have lots of different perspectives in it. And the only way to like create something that like truly is representative of all those perspectives is to like just bring people into it mm-hmm. from so many different communities and perspectives and backgrounds. And I think like, I, you know, I think we focus so much on certainly on the talent aspect, like who's in front of the camera. We're starting to focus more on like who's behind the camera, but typically that stops at the director Yep, uh, and isn't like thought of beyond that. I think the crew, like uh, certainly department heads, the DP, your production designer, mm-hmm. like who's doing costumes, whatever, like all these people are big parts of like telling the story and they're having conversations with the directors that are helping shape like what their vision is, you know, and helping bring it to life and questioning it and doing like all Mm -hmm. the stuff we've been talking about in this interview. So I think it's important to like fill those roles with all these different people. Mm -hmm. And then and then like the last part of it is just like we like, again, getting back to the fact that like we need equity and in all in everything like we should be like this can be the like an amazing thing to do you know like we should be opening that opportunity to everybody to you know like Mm -hmm. providing this work and like the money and the jobs and you know allowing people to like play make-believe with us you know it's like that's at the end of the day that's what we're doing and it's like yeah again I I really don't see any reason like not to do that it's like such Mm -hmm. obvious it's so easy I mean Yeah. yeah and like sometimes it's a few extra steps because like you see what the pool is and you have to like look outside it a little bit to like try to find people to fill your team whatever that looks like but I don't think it has to be like a big huge conversation every time I think you just go out and you do it and then it's done yeah and then you make the thing and then you go do it again. And it's like, yeah, it takes a little bit of work, but it takes work to find any crew. So why not, like, yeah. put the work... The, I don't know.
0: Love that. Just do yeah. the thing. And get the thing done. Get the that's thing done. Yeah. Everything in life is described like that. <laughs> we don't just much better off.
3: Just go
2: do the thing.
0: Just go do I'm... the thing. Okay? And then the thing is done.
2: <laughs> Super easy. No, I think that's very beautifully put. I think... I think it is important that all these perspectives have a seat at the table and because, yeah, uh, storytelling allows us to have empathy for people who may be different than our experience, our life experience has been. So, yeah, absolutely
3: yeah no it's i mean it's real that is like such a real statement and like as somebody who's like gone through a coming out process like i've seen people in my life shift through that you know and it's like there's so much power in that and like we just need we just need more of it all the time
1: yeah yeah
2: yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> need to hire a cinematographer no no Wait, what? And you're still listening to us? Oh, you're being supportive. We really appreciate that, we really do. What's that? How can you support us even if you can't hire us? Well, you can tell people who are looking for IDP to take a gander at our extensive 300 plus member database. Or you can always help us out with donations. If you wanna help us out with, um, you know, monetary support, you can go to icfcfilm.com friends to donate. We're an all-volunteer-run group, so we rely on donations to keep the lights on. Not the literal lights we use, though. Production foots the bill on those. Although, if someone wants to send us a 10K with power for our next project, we won't say no to that either. Okay, so this is our big... Scary, it's not really scary, it's not really scary. Last question. (laughs) (laughs) So it's actually a three-parter. So, one, what is your favorite movie? Two... What is your comfort movie? Like the like it makes you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. It's kind of maybe cheesy. You watch it when you just need to feel better kind of movie. And the third one is what is the movie that has influenced your cinematography the most or you as a cinematographer the most?
3: This is the hardest question. You <laughs> <laughs> take a couple minutes um,
2: to think. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. I don't have a favorite movie. I know. I mean it shifts. Mm -hmm. Um, I think like recency bias plays into that.
2: Mm.
3: Like what what have I seen recently? Or like or like what is something, you know, like maybe the fact that I saw it so long ago and it's tied up with some certain nostalgia mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. creates something about it um, that makes it somehow better than another movie. Mm-hmm.
0: What about what if you get really specific and say favorite genre and then a genre within a decade and then.
1: Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Horror. No. 80s. Uh, no. <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> well, OK, so i think the favorite movie is going to be hard for me okay but let me move on to the next two okay. and then maybe we'll circle back and maybe i'll have something to say i don't know okay i i think warm and fuzzy and this is totally like playing into my nostalgia because this was this movie was like a big part of my childhood is monty python and the holy grail yes i that i that movie and honestly like Comedy in general is like Mm -hmm. my warm and fuzzy. And it's Mm -hmm. like where I often find myself going because I think it's the easiest to shut off my cinematographer brain. Yeah. Although that's becoming harder because comedies are so beautiful now. Yeah. Like I'm just like and the line is like gone, which is great for me as a cinematographer because it means you know there's a work like I my feature that I shot in August was ultimately like a coming of age comedy kind of like, but you know there is like so much visual intention in it, which is like mm-hmm. wonderful that that that's a thing now. And now we just need that respect like in all the awards shows. Yeah. For, but yeah, Monty Python and the Holy Grail definitely was like a movie I turned to for so long. And I haven't seen it in forever, but I kind of don't need to because I know. <laughs> I would say probably, and despite some issues with it, the original Blade Runner is probably the one that mm. like most, I think, influenced me as a cinematographer i think it was one of the first movies i really like broke down in that way i also used to like study music and i remember like also studying the score
2: yes me me too sorry
3: and yes so good yeah uh and yeah, you know, like something I think about, and this isn't true to that movie, but it's like any film um, prior to the last fifteen years, maybe, is like how imperfect all the camera moves are. Yeah, um, think yes. about it with Blade Runner, because you think of it as this like cinematic masterpiece, which I think it is, but like I, there's like these crane shots, and they're just like yeah, kind of cheeky and yeah. like I. Just love it. And I think I'm like,
0: about that all the time, actually.
3: <laughs> oh, it's just so great and grounding and real and human and mm-hmm. like oh so but yeah, I think like that movie covers a lot of visual bases. I think it like it's inventive in like what they do with the eyelights on the replicas. Mm-hmm. I mean the, the like dark, dingy lighting. Um mm-hmm. uh, it looks like actually kind of looks very reminiscent to like what LA looked like all winter. Yeah. With the like <laughs> fog and rain and just <laughs> coming back to favorite movie. I don't know. Maybe I'll go with something newer. Yeah. Sure. Just say Moonlight, because that movie mm. really, gosh, it it is such a masterpiece. And it like it just did something so new, which is so hard to do uh in this day and age because everything's kind of been done. But It was all unexpected and so like real and visceral. And it gave you, it left you with just as many questions as answers, Mm -hmm. which I think is beautiful. And like it very deservingly won that Oscar in the weirdest way possible. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of like recent movies that are amazing, but that's what I'm going to go with because I can't feel bad about that answer.
2: (laughs) Yeah. That's a good answer. Yeah. And uh, so is there anything that you wanted to say that we didn't touch upon free space right now?
3: Yeah. I don't know. I'm excited to, are you all going to like do your episodes where you're interviewed? Because I want to hear those.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're we're trying to do one with all of the the hosts and kind of talk about uh, like a big overarching umbrella about some topics that, you know, like not everybody wants to talk about, you know, like some of the more. There's some unpleasant things to talk about in this industry, you know, and I don't want to throw them at certain people. So
3: <laughs> fair enough. So yeah. So we'll
0: share that. But yeah. if you have any topics or if you think of uh, anything that you'd love to hear people talk about that we don't talk about in photography,
2: feel free to share.
3: Yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll think about that. Yeah. This was so much fun. Yeah.
2: Uh, one more thing. Where can we find you on the interwebs?
3: On the interwebs. We go to my website, which is Sarah makes movies.com and that's Sarah with an H Sarah makes movies is also my Instagram nobody knew how to spell my last name right so mm. I don't use it much and Yeah. Those are kind of the the primary places. You could go to Near Motion's website, which is my agency. They have a page that I think might have some different things uh, than what are on my website. I know my bio is different, so Mm. if you want to read a different bio. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I know, like, I'm in all sorts of other databases scattered across
1: the internet. So, yeah. Don't forget about the ICFC. Database.
2: Yeah, true. <laughs> yes. nice. got, yes. got my profile up. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us. Yeah, yeah. thank you so yeah, much.
1: Thank you. It's pleasure. Well, you this and best this is of luck on your future. Yes. 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 Good luck.
2: Yes. Thank you. You're going to kill it. Thank you.
3: Yay. I'm excited. We
0: can't wait to watch. And start. Yeah.
1: was
2: awesome.
1: Seriously. I just really loved how honest she was about everything too. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that's what's needed with all of this, yeah. right? But she really was allowing herself to like really think through all these things and just be really honest about it all, which yeah, I
2: just really yeah. appreciate. I love how grounded she is. When she was talking about just like even her answer to um kind of like her dream project, you know, mm-hmm. I was like that that's that's what someone who actually lives in the present and is like grounded sounds like. And I'm like yeah. I admire that. I have a lot of respect for that.
1: <laughs> yeah. And also just admitting that process is the most important part for us. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, mm-hmm. obviously we want our films to be successful and that's the ultimate goal. But I mean, like we are going to be on films so much longer than we're ever going to be experiencing films in theaters or whatever. Yeah. And I just think, you know, being present and loving the people that you're working with and like and the work that you're doing is the most important part.
2: Yeah. 100%. And I love that she makes space for walks on the beach every day yeah I know I can't do that no
0: (laughs) okay but you have to say she didn't really answer the question about like does she pick up the phone at 10 o'clock at night yeah which I think was yes I think the answer was yes the answer (laughs) is
2: is
1: yeah that's
0: the flip side of it right yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's like I try very hard to say like okay I'm gonna have dinner with my girlfriend and I'm gonna try to put my phone away right Mm -hmm. and like not look at all the text messages or the emails or whatever Mm -hmm. but I feel like there's there's balance there you know Mm because i'm guilty of that too it's like i prefer you not to call me at 10 o'clock at night you know but have i picked up the phone when a producer like calls yeah
2: Yeah. i'm the one calling at 10 o'clock at night sometimes (laughs) (laughs) that's not me
0: that's not me yeah (laughs) yeah
2: i never well i've even gone to the point too where like i don't know if you guys
1: know about schedule send on emails But, like, you can write emails on your time and then schedule, send it to be during business hours. So it's, like, not Mm -hmm. putting pressure on other people to be responding outside of business hours as well, I think, is important. Even though email seems so passive, there is still that, like, you know, expectation. uh,
0: As a New Yorker, okay, I will say that there is something very, very strange about Los Angeles and the way that you guys – respond to emails. Mm. Like, they, Tell me. like, is there an <laughs> unspoken rule? Like I, I, I'm just so curious about the East Coasters versus the West Coasters. Is there a rule that like there's just no limit on when an email can be responded to? You know? Like, like there's times where I'll delay an email, Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's like four days mm-hmm. later a response. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand that. Like I'm not saying I need a, a response within an hour, right? <laughs> like yeah. I'm not saying we live in some corporate world, but like <laughs> the next day maybe right or A day and a half, maybe. But not like four days later, five days later. I almost think it's disrespectful. I thought it was disrespectful. But then it's like, no, actually, I think this is the same thing as like, Angelina's being like, oh, I'm going to be a few minutes late every single time you go somewhere, <laughs> every single place you go, right? What's, oh, I think the event starts at one o'clock. Oh, but I'll be there at 1.30. What? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there's like two things going on there, like, because I am guilty of that sometimes, I'll be mm-hmm. honest. Um, but it depends on how important it is to respond in a certain amount of time. And like, mm-hmm. I almost feel... Part of the reason I've been guilty of being too far on that side is that I actually think so much about the other side where I think it's actually really rude to expect people to be answering constantly whenever you expect them to. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think there's like a flip side to that because 30 years ago, if you were out of the house, no one could get to you, right? Mm-hmm. And like, I want to be back to that place where we weren't, con- like, because we have a phone on us constantly, we're always expected to respond. So I think mm-hmm. my, I like ended up going the too far, which four days, maybe that's not, enough, you know, that's too much, you know, but I think that there is like, this constant demand for your attention is really frustrating to me as well. So I like mm-hmm. almost resent the opposite of that, but I told there's a, there's a middle ground. There's a Goldilocks oh, no, here. No. that we I
0: think find. that's a really interesting approach. I never thought about it that way. I think, I think for me though, it's just such a like, if I don't respond, like I will lose track. I'm chaotic. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, Same. Economic, yeah, you know, mess like in that yeah. way. Like if I don't if I'm not on top of it and yeah. it's been four days, I've lost that email. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. I like,
1: I think oh, you know, then you
0: wake up in the middle yeah. of the night three weeks later saying, yeah. Oh shit, you know? Like, yeah. like, mm-hmm. Well,
1: that's why I like really have to use my tools where I like, you know, like I put reminders on my phone. Mm-hmm. I like snooze yeah. emails to come back into my inbox mm-hmm. when I know I can address it. And so like Mm-hmm. I really lean a lot on technology because my memory is terrible. So yeah. I will forget about these things so easily if yeah. I don't do them
2: immediately. I, I leave them on, on red.
1: Mm-hmm. So yes, like I'll I read too. them
2: and then like yep. leave them on, on red. So like if I can't respond immediately, I'm like, okay, I'll, you know, this is on my to-do list. What I will say is that when I send emails, I think I I do give a little bit of grace you know I'm like I don't ex- like if I send an email I will be the one who sends an email at 10 p.m. I don't expect you to reply at 10 p.m. you know I'll like expect you to reply within the next 48 hours whenever that that is comfortable mm-hmm. to you you know but I also do know how that is read by people sometimes and like I will like if 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 I know them I'll be like hey by the way I will send you an email at 10 p.m. yeah um don't This is just me because, like, if I don't send it at 10 p.m., even with the send schedule, send like it's just a like I have to take it off my to do list kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And like, you respond whenever you want to respond, but I'm also like, I have noticed what you've noticed because, like, yes, I lived in New York and I did not know this was a New York versus Angelina thing. (laughs) But knowing that that's a just general thing out here, I will, within like two or three days, send a like a nudge yeah. email, being like, mm-hmm. hey, I just was wondering if this got lost in your inbox, but, you know, like... Yeah.
0: Well, I think, uh, you know, I think I wasn't clear enough. It was a lot of times for me, my experience stems from like a client approach. It's like client Mm. notes, right? And client Mm -hmm. feedback comes back a week and a half later. Whereas Mm. on the East Coast, client feedback comes back very quickly. Oh, yeah. Then it's like, they're like, boom, boom, boom. We got this. We have to get this ready. We have to do this. We have to do this. Mm. Whereas in like on the West Coast, it feels very like there's this like laissez-faire like, oh, everything's cool. It's chill,
1: bro. You know, like. Yeah. It's all but, good. Like, but then they'll send it and then expect you to do it the next day too, right, right? Yeah. like then it's like laissez-faire for them but not for right. you But no, yeah. you gotta be yeah. on your toes right? you know yeah so then you're yeah. like
0: oh well if this is the time frame that's expected then can i also do that and just like you know
1: mm-hmm. but yeah there's got to be some middle ground it's
2: california bruh <laughs> Dude, i know
0: that's, that's, that's truly what it is that's really what it is now if only all of us had time to walk on the beach you know yeah yeah
2: I know. yeah yeah i think i think we need to do that but we all need to find our version
1: of that that's really what mm-hmm. i think the like purpose at, or you know the point at the end of this is like what is our version of that at the end of the day or whenever you need it you yeah. know and like finding that because i you know and i i i've been thinking so much about how i feel like the last two decades of my life have mm-hmm. just disappeared Mm-hmm. you know and I haven't really been putting my personal life you know in in an, as important of a place as my career you yeah. know and then suddenly I'm like in my 30s and I'm still you know so it's just mm-hmm. like we got to find these these slices um that we can you know take solace in and take a breath and you know be a human well, and
0: find identity outside of film you know that's why yeah. I, like, I love my friends who are not in film Yeah,
1: yeah and, like, that's
0: really like you know f- such a breath of fresh air because like yeah. there are times where yeah. I'm like in a a deep hole of like watching TV and movies and like yeah. analyzing and talking to them about it with my film friends, mm-hmm. and then I like step out of it and like you know someone's just like, "Hey, are you excited about the Mario Brothers movie?" And I'm like, "Uh,
1: uh, what? yeah." <laughs> I'm
0: just like, "Oh, cool."
2: Yeah, I keep
1: forgetting that's coming out.
0: I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. You know.
1: Well, see, I noticed
0: that like I don't take a lot of pictures anymore Mm. or I've taken less and less pictures and like in times where like other people are taking pictures and I feel like sometimes I'm just so like want to take a step away from it you know and Mm. just look at be present for the moment, Mm -hmm. and not through my phone and I feel like I see a lot of people everywhere and they're just like oh they're looking at a concert they're at a show or something and they're seeing the whole thing through their phone I think because Um, of what we do mm -hmm. some part of that is like I'm just like, I can't. I can't do that. I don't want yeah. to do that. I don't want to record this thing. I want to just see it. I'm not working. If I'm, yeah. It feels like I'm shooting the event, you know? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't even like taking photos for my family for that. Exactly. <laughs>
0: exactly. That's what I mean. I'm like, like people I'm not pay me for that now. Right? <laughs> yeah, my mom's like, oh, like, it's my brother's graduation. Like, go take some pictures. And I'm like, mm. I don't want to do this, you know? Yeah. yeah. So We're I was like, oh, but you're, you're a photographer. <laughs> you're a photographer. I'm like, not really. No.
2: No. Yeah. <laughs> b is a woman and Latina-owned boutique camera rental house based in Los Angeles. They are passionate about the nuanced design that goes into visual storytelling. And as such, are committed to supporting filmmakers tell their stories with the best tools available. Plus, for busy cinematographer or camera crew parents, they also offer childcare services during prep. So when you're looking for camera rentals for your next project, check out their extensive repertoire of optics and cameras at www.bcine.com or write to rentals at com for general inquiries.
0: Then being pragmatic. I think yeah. that's a really important thing. You know, it's like mm-hmm. it's something we really don't talk about. And I think she really like hit the nail on the head is that we talk about the gender divide and we talk about all these things, but we never want to talk about what's really blatantly in front of us. And it's mm-hmm. that socioeconomic divide. And, yeah. you know, I think... Yeah. It's true. Like, while I was saying that, like, oh, there's this, like, democratization of the film industry. On the flip side of it, you know, who are we gatekeeping? You know, like, Mm -hmm. there should be equity. We should be, everyone should be able to do this, you know? Yeah. But who is everybody who can do it? It's people who have the opportunity to do it.
2: Yeah. And the thing is, like, even with the democratization of equipment, right, you know, there's still a stigma when some people I feel make a movie with like an iPhone, you know, they're like, Oh, that's not really a thing. And there's like, well, but there's like, if that's what you can make a movie Mm -hmm. with, like, why not? Right. Um, There's like this idea that we need to like rent these like big fancy cameras or big fancy lenses or whatever um, as well. And I think, I think that also prevents uh, or puts a barrier of entry as to like the stories that are being told because like, Mm -hmm. The equipment that, we're, that is being used to tell some of these stories is not like, quote unquote, cinematic or professional or whatever. And it's like, well, I mean, I don't know. A tool is a tool, you know, like it's, it's the person who's using it. That's really the important thing.
0: But the audience is also getting smarter and smarter, you know, like, yeah, at like look at your average like sitcom nowadays, you know, compared to like. You know, kind of what Sarah was talking about, like old camera movies, you know, like I am a big sucker for these 80s, 90s, like big blockbusters. And like she's absolutely right. You know, like these crane shots are like totally shaky and even Mm -hmm. like pans and tilts sometimes and these dollies that are like crooked. And you're always like, hmm, you know, like we're. (laughs) So accustomed to this, like robotic, like yes, perfect, exactly. static—you mm-hmm. know—steady cam gliding motion, you know, and everything is in its place, and it's like
1: exposure has to be on point, in
0: exposure, every part. I yeah, and I'm, I'm, I guarantee you, the three of us are doing it too,
2: right? We are, yeah.
0: like like ecstatically like nitpicky about our frame and our mm-hmm. image and like a mm-hmm. oh, shaft of light right here and then you think who, who cares <laughs> who gives a shit at the end right it's like yeah. we got lost in the woods right we're yeah. like
2: yeah i think one of the most important things is like look if someone's noticing those imperfections we didn't do our jobs right yeah and and by that I mean is like that means that like everything else in the frame was such crap and the story wasn't being told well and the actors failed at their performances that you're noticing the camera shake. Like you I know. think there's yes. a catastrophic failure there if that's what you're noticing about a frame, right? Um But is that our failure? It's it's part of <laughs> our failure. <laughs> I, think, I think we're part of that failure. I think it's like a it's just yeah, a catastrophic failure on on so many sides yeah. of what went behind that image because you know i've seen again going back to the things like i was saying before like i've seen a lot of really imperfect like technically imperfect images that have been able to evoke like very very deep emotional um moments or mm-hmm. you know convey like performances that transcend that the the imperfections of those technical mistakes and i think at the yeah. end of the day that's really what um what we're trying to achieve I yeah. think
1: yeah and so, also just like not thinking about everything having to be beautiful all the time too mm-hmm. I think that's something that's hard for cinematographers to be like okay this story might need to be a little ugly quote unquote, yeah. or whatever that yeah. might mean you know because that is what needs to push the story forward mm-hmm. and that's ultimately our you know our job <laughs> but yeah. it's hard to accept sometimes if that's like you know the situation but it's really yeah. the most important thing is what yeah. the story's calling for
2: yeah yeah, you absolutely. know
0: how I, I I say this a lot that I've been getting into pottery and ceramics, and uh, one of the and I I wish I knew the this person's name, but I'm gonna kind of quote them. It was a, it was a TikTok video that they were doing, mm-hmm. and they were showing how they were glazing a pot, but they purposely did a few like imperfections, mm-hmm. and their justification was that they absolutely wanted it to feel like it was a human-made object mm-hmm. and the, the mistakes mm-hmm. in it were inherently present and that mm-hmm. it wasn't made by a robot it wasn't made by a machine it wasn't made by a mold mm-hmm. you know it and their i think that and, yeah and i i think that about my cinematography too a lot mm-hmm. it's just like what is the visual language that like I am creating, but also, is there an element of like me that I can leave behind? Mm-hmm. And is mm-hmm. there an element of like the humanness of me? You know, especially mm-hmm. we're talking about like AI catching up and like creating, yeah. and generating yeah. these images. Like, what yeah. can we do? What can I mm, do? Today?
1: That's that's the character yeah. is us. Yeah, Our yeah. What can yeah. I, oh, I do to yeah. leave
0: an image? Leave something in this image? that feels distinctly human and that <laughs> i made mm-hmm. it and so it's not so perfect you know yeah
1: yeah i love yeah. that yeah. i remember at at afi what the dean of our program told us about like lighting a stage like make something a little bit hotter than yeah. if, if you had it mm-hmm. out you know as if it was out of your control do something so that it doesn't feel yep. so perfectly cur- curated you know and i yeah. think about that a lot regardless of where i'm shooting you know right. and that's like that's a very simple version of what you were kind of saying, but it kind of, you
0: know. Well, because there are times where like, I don't know if you guys feel this, but like, there are times where like, I have lit something that is like too clean, you know, Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like everything is in its place and everything just feels too clean. And usually people love it. People are like, wow, this is like really beautiful. Mm. But there's something that to me feels missing, you know, like I'm just like, I don't know what it yeah. is and I'm like usually we'll shoot it we'll shoot a couple things different things and usually it's always me like at the end of the night I'm like I think it was just too clean you know everything mm-hmm. was
1: just, just too yeah
0: everything in its place you know like every hair out of place you know it's like
1: yeah it's uh, something I think about a lot for documentary work and I actually just had an interview earlier today about and I like spoke about this where like docs are getting so stylized that there's almost like that like is this hollywood how curated is this how like you know and it's like i don't feel like i'm getting the access to these stories as much as i used to because they do Mm -hmm. feel so perfected you know so it doesn't get that like some
0: of these like like true crime docs are so beautifully shot yeah you're, like, kind of taken out of it, you know? Mm-hmm, you're, like, oh, mm-hmm. like, exactly. this is an interview with these parents that are grieving and that are devastated, but all I can think about is how, like, this is lit really nicely. My parents are really pretty, like, you know? And it's, like, this is totally, I've lost the story, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Something we have to think about, you know?
0: <sighs> but it's hard, right? Like, so much of it's, like, this is what we want to do, and want like make these images really, like, as good as we can. And like yeah. to fight that, yeah. But I also think that that's like a like a another thing, right? Like it's another like aspect of you have to get to that certain level before you even have the privilege to fucking mm. up, mm.
2: yeah. You know that's mm-hmm. a, and not be you? judged for it, and or not made it like it's like, it's like it. be like yeah, oh, this mistake. is a
0: mistake, amateur hour. You know, yeah. Like, how much <laughs> of that are we always have to fight for? You know, oh my god.
2: Yeah, You're when so is right. it? When does it stop being a fuck up and it starts to make being like an uh, intentional decision? Yeah, Ooh, you know these are
1: things I'm gonna dream about tonight. <laughs> I got yeah. a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. Jeez.
0: Well, I think that, like, you know, we talk about imposter syndrome or everything, but like, so much of a fight, especially as like a woman DP, is to mm. be there and own that space and like be technically proficient Mm -hmm. you know there's always that level you're fighting for it's like i know what i'm talking about technically yeah yeah right like i come from an ac background so I, i think about this a lot in terms of like voltage and power and like there are some like you know um like there are things that like people are always like oh we'll just plug everything in and you know and they're like well there are technically there are technical things, right? It's not just like <laughs> this can go into this tube. Two- this <laughs> yeah. two can go into this hole, right? Just, just jam it <laughs> in there, <laughs> right? And like I always think about that, and like there are like, but there are things that like I feel like we have to be on top of that, especially, um, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And then so then the the area or the space to fail is yeah. smaller and smaller and smaller.
1: Yeah, and like yeah. without it, then echo or like rippling out to your entire community, right? And yep. like that being mm-hmm. a representation of yeah. all female, ex, yeah. you know, yep. roles instead of like when it happens with a man, it's like, oh, he fucked up, right. you know. It's I not like, oh, was, men, you know. Right. When I was uh,
0: in my early twenties, I think I was nineteen or twenty. I uh, worked as a digital imaging tech for socks for. I started out and they're like you know um we were shooting just like handbags and models and dresses and stuff Mm -hmm. and I remember all the photographers were these old men Mm. they were really brutal to the interns and so the DITs right the the, we were all like really kind of young women and I remember just like going into the bathroom and like There'd be girls crying in the stalls, right? Oh my God. I remember one time, one of our managers came in and she just looked at the girl and she said, Stop crying. Like, you have to stop because as anyone sees you crying, it reflects on all of us. Yeah. And that's what they'll always say is that we are too soft to be here. We're yep. too weak to be here because, like, we can't handle, like, you know, something nasty being said to us or Mm -hmm. you know I remember I had like a tweety thrown at me once because I like put the c-stand leg or sandbag on the wrong leg and i was literally like in
2: 19 so that's what's
1: crazy though is that like we get judged for that but then they like people are able to have crazy irrational like you put the sandbag on the wrong thing but then a tweenie got thrown at you like that is a crazy escalation yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i was just
0: expected no one got fired no one's gonna get fired from that right no one got fired from that situation and in that situation you know you're not supposed to be upset. You're just supposed to say, okay, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, just keep learning faster, right? Yeah. I just learn faster and in a very terrified, scared environment. But then you, you know, but I do kind of think that, like, it did, unfortunately, make me learn very quickly, right? Move fast yeah. on sets. Always be, oh, like, it's almost like some kind of, like, you know, trauma where you're like, I have to know yeah. what he's going to want before, he wants it like almost in like a like a, an abusive situation, you know. Yeah, like he's yeah. him in a way before he gets angry at me and like but says there's... something nasty to me and throw something, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, but there's other ways to learn these things without trauma. Mm-hmm yeah <laughs> yeah you know, sure, like, yeah, sure. I'm gonna, i just that way and we need I to destigmatize think. being emotional as well like yeah i i cry very easily and sometimes yeah. it's not because i'm upset it's just because i'm either uncomfortable or something else or like some yeah. weird thing just you know and i've been my entire life i've been struggling through like the shame that i feel because of that you know and mm-hmm. it's like just because someone's crying whatever like feeling emotion should not be you know mm-hmm. looked down upon like you yeah. know yeah. They need to deal with their emotions more. And we, you know, <laughs> we take it on a lot more. But I, yeah, I just, that's yeah, I, crazy.
2: I, I got it's the totally opposite me. though. I have like, and like, I just, I just look really serious when I'm like in the situation. And like, I guess, and I had a producer come, you know, come up to me and like pull me aside and was like, hey, Emmy, are, are you having fun on set? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What? What? Like, well, it's just, you know, you seem very... And I'm just like, look, I know I have resting bitch face. It's fine. And they were like, oh, I didn't say that. And I was like... Look, I just like we we're running two hours behind. I'm trying to get this, you know, get my mm-hmm. people like you know, yeah. getting this set up. And like it wasn't and then they're like, Well, the thing is like you just like you should be nicer to your crew. Oh. The, you know, they're like, You seem super severe, like you seem like you they like super angry. And I'm just like, and my gaffer happens to walk by at that exact moment, and I'm just like, Hey, am I being too nasty to you? And he just turns to me and goes, Like, no, you could stand to be like a little bit firmer and i was like great cool and then like producer looks at me and was like and i'm like seriously like if i were a guy like nobody would have ever stopped and said that to me oh my
0: god the, if i were a guy thing we can't even have that conversation oh uh, yeah <laughs> exactly. yeah so, yeah. Like, that should be the unspoken language yeah. of <laughs> our world right yeah it's yeah. like there's we don't that's not the same world no
2: yeah. no We don't exactly. work
0: in that same space right no like,
2: i think no. very
0: much about like you know, we were, I mean, we were talking about this uh, recently about like, as a DP can you take on any project, are there stories that maybe are not for you to tell,
2: mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm.
0: And then we were talking about it and then we were like, well, most men probably just wouldn't even think about that. Like, that's what yeah. thought. Why are we thinking about it? Yeah. Of course you can. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I know (laughs) and it's good I think it's good that we're more compassionate we're more you know like I'm speaking in general terms Mm -hmm. that we're like sadly because of our socialization we end up being more compassionate we end Mm -hmm. up thinking more but like I'd rather be on that side than on the other personally
2: yeah 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 100% I mean
0: right but the like line between confidence and bitch you know yes. yes
2: yes and one does not confidence bitchiness does not equal confidence and one does not need to be bitchy to seem confident i that's that's
1: well it's because of our entire society it's like been that like aggro you know that like mm -hmm. carrying that masculine energy and being Mm -hmm. that person has always been seen as like oh they're the leader they're the you know and i think again it's just like these crossed wires that don't need to be that way yeah you know and we're just disentangling this way that we're thinking about what leadership is what Mm -hmm. you know all these things are what that looks like what it can look like yeah you know like my favorite ad's are the ones that don't yell Mm like they don't need to yell but that's for some reason how like you know anyways
2: no yeah i I came up as an ad like so as in commercials like when i was trained i was told like I, i was told you know especially you because you're short and small like you should raise your voice and i'm like no, that's making it worse. Like, I am just gonna be short and small and shouty. Like, nobody's gonna take me seriously. <laughs>
1: short and small and shouty.
2: Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I think, I think I'd just rather emulate the, the, the poison situation, you know, like the smaller the bottle, the deadlier mm. the poison. <laughs> denser poison <laughs> denser poison you know i don't know yeah i think yeah. i think there's just so many leadership styles now even you know and i think recognizing that cuz like you know the way fabian would run a set is different than the way kino will run a set is the, different than i will run a set and they're different doesn't mean any one of those ways we would do it is wrong it's just different. And like, we bring different energies and different visions and different things to things. And like, we'll be suited for different projects. And I think that's important to real to remember too. Yep.
1: There's no one right way to do anything in life. And I get so frustrated when people try to say that this is the one way. And it's like, yeah, there's often the probably like most ideal efficient way or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. those, those descriptors need to be. But like, that's why I think so many, you know, to even broaden, right? That's why we have so much conflict. There's all this is because everyone's sitting there being like, life should be lived this way. These things should happen this way because of how I feel, you know?
2: Mm -hmm. And it's just
1: like understanding that there's so many areas of gray, you know, and that's yeah. That's how we can, you know, understand a little bit more.
2: Well, in conclusion, more (laughs) walks on the beach. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We just keep coming back to that. (laughs) All right. Uh we'll see you next week on our next week's episode.
0: Thank you so much for listening today. Please follow us on Instagram at the ICFC. You can also reach us by
2: writing to ICFCpodcast at gmail.com. This episode was produced by Emilia Mendieta Cordova, Fabian Housepian, Akina Vandevelde, Senda Bonet, and Barbie Lung.